Oxford band Foles have released a load of elegant, monumental songs. But their biggest single to date is one that they had to fight for. Hey, I'm Linda Mariano, this is Inspired, and welcome to the story behind My Number, the standout from Fall's third album, Holy Fire. Coming up, you'll hear from frontman Yanis Philippakis about how they made this stinky groove, as well as how the song was a potential disaster. This is Foles, Inspired on My Number. And we've got Yanis from Foles in here. We're diving deep into the making of that song for Inspired. And I've been told it was a... Nightmare. <laughs> yes. So Absolute nightmare. Where should we begin with this? Um, I guess we should begin in Oxford, mm-hmm. which is where we were based for a long time. We grew up there and um, we took over a small little studio next to the house that we were living in together. I think we were quite relatively deep into writing what became Holy Fire. On one of these days, we started jamming a bass groove. So Walter and Jack kind of came up with the rhythmic basis for the song. Love this. So this is the foundation. Yeah, that that is absolutely the foundation. It runs through most of the song. You know, the song is is simple, basically. You know, it's like uh, the bass groove, the drum groove and Jimmy's parts um, are pretty much the same all the way through. And I don't really play much guitar in it in a way. I play the sort of funky hook that's at the top. Is that this bit? Yeah. yeah. This is fun. Yes, yeah, so this is my stuff. That's weird sounding it exposed. So they were playing the bass groove and the drum groove and it felt good just on a kind of physical level. Like it, we were just locked into it and we were like, this is this has got like, this is a stinky groove. And that's kind of what we were going for on that album. And then I came up with that hook. And this is all like just within probably about an, half an hour, an hour. And once we had that hook, we started getting quite excited. Like you could just tell the vibe in the room was good and we were like, oh, we're onto something. It's so, such a pulse, this yeah. whole song. It's quite cyclical in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's reflected in the way that it was written, where it was just written kind of on a loop. Um, so we just played and played it for, for this whole afternoon. And by the time we'd finished um, jamming it, we basically had the song written in terms of I had, I had the My Number lyric right from the go. Um, I don't really know where it came from, but I remember I was just sort of barking out. You don't have my number. And I think I had We Don't Need Each Other. So we had those two bits. And essentially what would happen was I would, I think I would drop out and somebody else would drop out and then we would just kick back in. You don't have my love, it's tough. You don't have my number. And when you listen to the song, that is essentially just what happens. It's verse, there's a drop out and it kicks back into the chorus. And it's kind of interesting with this song too where you can't quite tell what is meant to be the chorus, what is meant to be the verse or what is meant to be titled some sort of bridge. It's yeah. weird in that way. 
yeah, we kind of didn't really care. We were just, we just felt like all of it should be good. And I think I remember like further down the line when we were recording it with the producers, there was discussions like, well, what is the chorus? It doesn't really matter as long as it all feels good. Uh, we've had that same issue on other songs as well. We had that with Mountain at My Gates as well, where people are like, what's the actual you know, chorus and what? If all the bits feel as good as each other, then that's all that matters. Do you remember what you were thinking about when you started barking out the words? Yeah, so I mean, I remember feeling like some of the other songs we'd written were quite dark um, and introspective and there was a melancholy to them. I think, I guess in response to the swagger of the groove, I wanted to write something uh, lyrically that was cockier. It wasn't planned, but um, I guess that was my response to it, was feeling like I want to write a song where there's an element of brashness and cockiness about it and a kind of sass to it. We don't need each other now. Like a sassiness, like, you don't quite get me. There's a line from an old film that we used to watch, and me and my friend used to joke about it, which was like, uh, you don't even know me, you're never going to know me, kind of thing. What film is that? Uh, Rules of Attraction. You're not ever going to know me. Figure it out. It's got James Van Der Beek in it from Dawson's Creek. That's, I was like, that's why does that sound familiar, but maybe not quite classic in yeah. a traditional sense <laughs> yeah uh in the movie it's like it's a pretty unpleasant statement the way mm. that it's said but i just kind of i thought I, I this idea of um remaining out of out of reach from somebody else was one that that just fitted the mood of the song and we had this moment where we, we left the, the room that we were playing in and we sat, we'd recorded it through the computer and we sat and we listened back to it. And it's probably, a, it's one of the very rare examples of what, when we've all sat and listened back to something that we've been writing and we, we were all just pumped on it. And we just felt, we, it, it instantly diffused so much of the pressure of the entire album process because we were just kind of like, that's a banger. And it's like something we've never done before. So it was quite a big moment for us, like in, in on that same day, that afternoon, we wrote it, and then we also had this sense of um, achievement with it and a kind of a belief in it that is unusual for us because we're quite a little bit neurotic and there's a lot of different opinions, you know, and stuff. So this was one where we were all like, that's a banger. Yeah, when you hear a false song and even thinking about the pieces that go into this, you sound like you're all very pedantic. Oh, do we? <laughs> No, yeah, we are. It's very We're... meticulous. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The fact that there's the live drums. There's this amazing kind of 4-4 programmed drum. And then there's percussion on top of it. Yeah, there's a lot it of layers. It never stays the same. It, it, everything has these slight variations the whole way through. Yeah. So a lot of that's to do with the way that we recorded it. So when I said like it was a nightmare, the writing of the song was effortless, like we've talked about. It was one of those things where you felt like you've been given a gift from somewhere and you don't know where it's come from, but you're not going to look at, you know, you're just going to take the gift. And then when we decamped to London to record the record with Flood and Alan Mulder. And they're a huge duo as well in terms of, Alan Mulder and Flood yeah. with that back catalogue and this esteem of oh, Nine Inch Nails, they can make crunchy, weird, still moody tracks and yeah. smashing pumpkins. So yeah. it's an interesting space to head into. It is, yeah. So we would be sending them material 
Um, and I remember, I definitely remember feeling like Flood doesn't seem that excited about my number and it played on my mind. I was like, why is he not more excited about it? Um, it was a song that we had to fight for in certain ways in the album. Um, there was, I think that Mulder, from my memory, Mulder felt like it was maybe a bit too poppy, too easy or something. So we were working against the producers, I mean, with them, but also I think they were slightly sceptical, basically. And we actually, we proved it because we were filming some stuff in the studio, we left the camera running on the desk and we watched it back and we were doing takes of my number and it had captured a conversation between Catherine, the engineer, and Alan Mulder, the producer, going like... Spy cam. Yeah, spy cam. And they were like, you know, this has got the potential to be a total disaster, this song. So then we had to fight for it even more because we we knew provably that they were worried about it. So on these days of trying to record it, I mean, we must have spent probably weeks on just this one song. And the, the, we were we were microanalyzing uh, tempos. We were changing t uh, tempos basically by points of a BPM because we couldn't quite lock into the groove that we'd captured in Oxford. We didn't feel that we'd captured that initial burst of excitement. And Flood's theory about getting into the groove was that we should play it from start to finish. The moment we'd finish, instead of stopping and downing tools, we would just continuously play it. So the moment we'd get to the end, we would go straight back to the beginning. Um, and we would play the song over and over, we'd do it like maybe six, seven times without stopping in order so that we would just kind of lose ourselves like we had done in Oxford by playing it for hours. And did that work in the end? I think it worked, yeah, because that's what the, the, the track that people know is cut out of one of those cyclical takes. And I think he was right about that, you know, definitely. So once we'd, we'd located what was the correct take, then we proceeded to add all the stuff that is in there. Yeah, because every, everything kind of follows that. As we were saying, the the foundation, there's little string bits that are the same. There's the marimba. There's a million different guitar bits. Yeah, I wonder whether maybe there should be less stuff on my number, you know, or like less less layers on certain other songs. Um, and we've we've tried to learn from that. You get to the end of the loops, you put it all together, and when it's done, how convinced were they that, yes, you guys were right, this is going on the record and this could this is not the disaster that we thought it might be? I don't know whether there was ever, whether it was ever anyone of that lot's favourite track, but I think maybe when once we'd built up the layers and we'd got the synths in and we'd got the percussion in, I think definitely Flood was, like, feeling it and the little drum programme you're talking about. That was That was our attempt to try and make it a bit more... Dre, as we were calling it then. A bit more Dr. Dre? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I, I'm a huge fan of the, the layers of the drums and the percussion in this song. And then in terms of this getting out into the world, this then has become just one of the most loved Foles songs in terms of not only chart success in the, you know, yeah. critical mass eyes, but in terms of audience, live favourites. winning awards along the way as well. That must have felt nice. Yeah, it did feel good. It was vindicating in some way that when it went out, it's like, yeah, actually, the thing that we loved about it, other people love about it. 
which is the groove, you know, and the, and the sentiment of those lyrics. And as we were saying, in terms of the kind of cyclical nature of the song, it starts with a bang, that energy is sustained the whole way through, and then it ends in the exact same way. Yeah. It's like it doesn't, it doesn't peak up or down, it's yeah. there. Yeah, it's definitely a slab. Like that's how kind of we thought about it. It is, it's a slab. Yeah, it's like a, you know, it doesn't have peaks and troughs. It's just like a, like a chunk. And a lot of the best things are like chocolate bars. You know, there's no peaks and troughs for that really. That's true. Um, I don't know, what else is a slab? Chocolate bars, bars of soap, just stuff. That's how you kind of think about it though. Just like a, it's like a block. A big stinky slab. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My Number by Foles for Inspired. And if you liked that one, then you could check out another episode where I spoke to middle kids about their debut single, Edge of Town. I loved this chat because this is such a special moment in the band's career. Frontwoman Hannah recalls the time that she moved from playing strictly piano in the band to picking up a guitar to play lead in this song. I actually remember too getting like quite teary when I first played it because mm. it was like in the moment as we started playing it, when I figured it out on guitar, it was like I was hearing the sound that I felt like I'd been longing for. Or I'd been longing to create for a very long time, that, but I didn't know it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like, this is the kind of music I want to make. So, if you want to, please check out that one. And otherwise, if you've got a second, feel free to rate, review and subscribe to Inspired. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, guy. Something on